Welcome to this light conversation with me, Pascal Goswami. Insights and inspirations that leave you feeling lighter than when you arrived. Hello, one and all. I am here with dear Julie Bloom. As you know, this is just a conversation I have with people I admire, people I collect for being cool. And Julie is, is one such person. And I'm delighted to be here with you, dear Julie. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And you know what? I made myself a cup of tea just before coming here. A nice rooibos chai. Uh-huh. And you know the, the Yogi brand? They have a little quote. They have the quote. And you know what it said? And maybe it sets the table for today. It says, the essence of life is to communicate love. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. That, there we go. All we need to say has already been summarized in that, that tag. The essence of life is to communicate love. Let's start with that. Communicating love. Mm. Don't we need some of that now more than ever? Mm. Right? So many of us have felt isolated. And even now, going back into our normal lives, although normal is a term that has yet to be defined because it's ever-changing, but it's creating stress. Some of us have been too isolated. Other people have been around people too much. So we've been needing to adapt recently, right? And it's been trying times i think for ourselves Mm -hmm. we need to give ourselves a nice big dose of love and to others too you know i have a friend of mine antoine he's very successful at running yoga studios and he once told me this beautiful quote i'll never forget he said you know what people just want to feel loved (laughs) it was really simple his whole philosophy is just making feel loved when they come into his space and that's why he, he, he does so well. So uh, we are in a time right now where love's, you know, um, in that human interaction kind of a way, we are all social beings. We love to feel cared for, listen to, share, be heard, and so on. Um, there seems to be, we're living in a time right now of such tremendous uh, isolation in our little, uh, you know, insular bubbles sometimes. Uh, that uh, especially, you know, with all the mandates and so on, that that kind of, you know, ha- has created that effect even more, heightened it, you know, in the last two years, uh, there is this real yearning for, for that kind of sort of interdependent love. Mm-hmm. And for connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to connect. And we tend to forget that even before the pandemic, Some things weren't going right, right? People were suffering already. There was a lot of burnout. Mental health issues were really present before. Now the pandemic has exacerbated everything. But at the end of the day, yes, it all comes down to the essence of love and connection. And we've had to adapt our connections to virtual right? Which in some aspects has filled, fulfilled some of our needs, but in others, we really need hugs, 
yeah we need to be yeah around good vibes yes the, you know it it, it is uh it, to communicate love through zoom <laughs> you know it's uh it's, it's not impossible you know it's a funny thing i'm so grateful that you know because of the last two years i've discovered this virtual world and i'm grateful to have clients from all around the world different time zones before i was localized and now sort of become non-localized that's really cool um and something beautiful does happen uh, for sure i'll acknowledge that you know through zoom by teaching live classes and then when you actually go into an actual space like a yoga studio or, or a retreat center and you actually breathe and move and, and, and listen so clearly and you get the nuanced uh, feel, uh, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's definitely very, very uh, different. This is good, but the live, real human hugging part is something, you know, as good as Zoom is, we, I, I, I don't think we'll, we'll get to. Uh, the actual I guess, interaction. yeah, I guess, you know, thinking about it, it's a little bit more sterile because it doesn't fulfill all your senses, right? We can hear, we can see, but how about the feelings, mm. the smells, the, you know? Exactly. And also the three-dimensional aspect as opposed mm. to looking at a light source. Uh, I'm, again, grateful for technology. Without technology, we would have this moment. Um, but there is definitely something to be said for for a direct human to human connection. You know, seeing actual whites of people's eyes live and uh, and the tactile hugs and so on. So, communicating love can happen verbally. It can happen through actions. It can happen through expressions. Um, it could just happen with just silent loving presence as well. Just just knowing somebody is there holding space could be very loving. Uh, I know some very difficult times in my life when somebody, people held space for me and they did nothing. They just sat there silently while I went through my drama, trauma, um, whatever I was going through. And all they gave me was the reassurance. I'm here for you. You're safe. Go ahead. You know, and that was very loving, I found. It's quite often the most powerful thing we can do for people to hold space and for them to know that we are there because quite often, and you know, we're guilty of that in our personal relationships. We try to fix things when quite often people just want to be seen and heard, held and understood saying, I understand why you're feeling this way. And that's all we need. Mm, right nothing more than that and quite often we don't need the solutions mm. just need the presence so i uh, you know when i say I collect cool people i see something in them that i'm like wow you know not that i don't have it but they have it in such a high level and for for me what comes up for me when i when i when i see you is compassion this is something that you carry very deeply and i see that you value it very much as well and it, it sort of emanates from you, this, this deep sense of care, this nurturing quality. And I, I, let's dive into that theme and uh, what it means for you. Sure. Thank you very much. Well, you know what? To set the table, I think I have to tell you vulnerably that in order, so, compassion has been a tool that I've needed to add to my life. Of course, it has come at a price, 
I went through a few years ago a breakdown which we thought was burnout which turned out to be PTSD from my last place of work so I was sick you know both physically but psychologically and emotionally and on my healing journey I think it's something that compassion was always inside of me but that I've had to develop in order to care for myself and to others so on my healing journey of course I started to read I took many classes and I was lucky enough to go study at the Compassion Institute of Stanford and the the director of that institute is Tutanjimpa. I hope I'm saying his name mm. right. And he's the interpreter to the Dalai Lama. He's wonderful. Man. And compassion is, has been a revelation to me, such a big part of healing. And I'll tell you about it a little bit more, but I love that class so much and it changed my life in such a way that I kept on studying and then I went to the National Institute for Clinical Application of Behavioral Medicine to really study what compassion does because you know when we're in the realm of well-being spirituality quite often it's hard to measure they're not things that you can shove in an excel cell but they can be life-changing. And now we're able to measure, you know, what it does to the brain, to the body. So fascinating. And I'm curious to see what your relationship to compassion is. And I would love to tell you a little bit about like the highlights of what I learned, if it's okay. Yes, of course. Um, you know, I, I sense like, like you, compassion is, uh, I think you were born with a heightened degree of sensitivity as a child, perhaps, you know, a heightened degree mm -hmm. of care. Uh, you know, uh, I have three children and, uh, you know, we're all born so differently and they're all wonderful. There's, there's one of them, I won't mention which one, <laughs> there's one of them that has a heightened degree of care. You can really feel the, the depth of her care. So there's a sensitivity that comes with it and a vulnerability as well. And 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 I and I and there's a dark side to compassion in in that in that sense because sometimes one can um, fall into these energy vortexes of people who just draw you know who, you you feel compelled to help and then there are these you know these black holes of energy that just kind of suck you in and sometimes mm -hmm. you can be left depleted. I'm not projecting, but perhaps that what happened that's, that might have that might be what happened to you in your workplace, which is why you burnt out. Uh, because there's so many people who are looking for compassion from a genuine source so so um, so there is a, a protection that's almost required for people who are hypersensitive and hyper compassionate in that sense uh, where where you can get really drawn into somebody else's story so uh, and almost become that tragedy so this is almost like an emotional empath empathy uh, where you, you take on the other person's emotion which could be quite detrimental uh could you know to your own well-being and there's another kind of compassion where you really feel the other person's pain and suffering uh yet you're also very aware of how your body's interacting interpreting and experiencing that moment um without becoming you know the tragedy it's experiencing there's a 
there's a sort of an I would say uh, an equanimity to that experience um, as well. Um, so uh, your, your question was about my journey into compassion, uh, but this is what is very, very raw and ripe and rich for me right now with compassion. This this having the ability to hold compassion with the suffering and at the same time be, be embodied with one's own sensation, breath, body, and not lose yourself and not get enamored you know by that 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 vortex and and become it um so i know as a child this this happened a lot i um it wasn't so much uh, for me i always felt there must be a better way I, I felt the world of of competition and striving to the top of the pyramid and feeling all the stress and strain that this this can't be it as a young child as five years old i just felt this can't be it there's a better way um and uh, yeah, and, and you know the compassion. I just remember playing with butterflies and animals, and how butterflies would just land on your hand. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, doesn't happen anymore, <laughs> but it was quite nice as a child. Uh, there's something, something very sweet about that. Um, you know, it's uh, yeah. This is this is these are memories coming up for me with compassion. Um, yeah, I. I guess it's just seeing the uh, the humanity humanity uh, is the same thing. The common but, humanity, yeah. perhaps. It's all all sentient beings, so it could also be with yeah. plants and animals, and you know, um, just seeing that that my life is so precious. It's it's such a remarkable privilege to be having this experience, and uh, as for me, so for all. So that to me is what compassion points to. Um, yeah. Wonderful. You know what? We were talking uh, another day and saying that compassion needs rebranding because compassion is kind of misunderstood. What is it exactly? Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you allow me, I'll give you a little progression of like feelings that are in the same family. So mm. when we begin with pity, we know what pity is. We see somebody going through something difficult and we see it as exterior of us. Poor you. Mm. Maybe because of the decisions you make, there's sometimes judgment attached to pity, but it's external to you. Then we move to sympathy, where you are someone just that sympathetic so you can see, recognize the other person's suffering and there is a certain link to you. Then, so I see your suffering. Mm -hmm. Then we move to empathy. That is, I suffer with you. I see your pain and I hold your hand. I sit in the dark with you. I go through the pain with you. So that's where, in general, empathy can be quite draining, okay? So the pain, pity, pain is exterior to me. Sympathy, I see and recognize your pain. Empathy, I go in the pain with you. Then we have compassion, which is the big winner of that family. And what is compassion? It's empathy and action together. So I feel I sit with you in that pain, but I'm in an active mode. So I'm compelled and I do something to help you. Or 
if I can't, if we're having a conversation, I send good, loving, kindness, thoughts your way. So may you feel happy. May you be protected. May you not suffer. So that's where compassion is. And, you know, as I'm an HSP, so highly sensitive person. So I am sensitive to other people's vibes. And of course, people will come to me and I can understand the empathy burnout. What, from what I understand from compassion is that the action part of helping brings, actually protects us. It feels good to us. It lights up the reward system in our brain. So you, we will secrete uh, oxytocin and dopamine, the happy, good feeling hormones. And like studying the, um, the clinical application of compassion, what it does to our brains and bodies is astonishing. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know how we always say, like, the best, one of the best part of life is feeling useful, is helping other people. And that is what compassion is, really. When I'm a facilitator, which she recovers a foundation for women in recovery, 400,000 women across the world. And the fact that I can hold space for them, listen, let them speak their truth, brings me a lot more than I can ever give to them. So the action piece is, is really so important. Yeah. Thank you so much, Julie, for distilling it down so well, because these words can be confusing and they, they're interchangeable sometimes. Um, I, I just want to reflect back on what you shared between pity, sympathy, and empathy. It seems to be a variation in identification in one you're disidentified as the other in one you're sort of identified in the third you're very identified i had an experience of this and this happens very often but one example stands out uh, was there was a picture on the on the all over the world of this young boy in syria who had just been bombed he was in the red cross airplane limb missing blood on his face maybe four-year-old boy it was it was front page in so many places we i think many people recall that picture just heartbreaking you know to see that and, and you know what I, I i continued to have my breakfast i got changed i got in my car and i went to work imagine if that little boy was my son my son i'd be devastated i'd be devastated it's a boy bleeding in an airplane who just been bombed. But the difference is my identification is stroma stronger, my son, and oh, mm -hmm. that poor boy. So, so it, it, it's their, their identity seems to have a, a large part to play uh, with this. Uh, what in yoga the term is ahamkar, is which is your identification. Like for example. I may identify as an Indian born uh, engineer, yoga teacher, family of three kids living in Montreal and so on. And I will see life through that lens and, you know, identify, disidentify through that lens. So this is my cognitive bias, essentially. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and that will kind of determine 
what I'll have pity for, what I'll have sympathy for, and what I'll have empathy for. So there's something to be said for really broadening our identity, you know, not as this insular whatever this person is. Ah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Montrealer. Okay, broader. Suddenly, all I have compassion for all Montrealers. Okay, I'm a Quebecer. Suddenly, I have compassion mm-hmm. for all Quebecers. I'm a Canadian. Ah, Canadian. I care for all Canadians equally. You know, I'm invested. Any Canadian success is my success. Okay, let's go bigger. I'm a human being. Okay, let's go bigger. I'm a sentient being. Okay, let's go bigger. You know, uh, I'm cosmic intelligent. You know, in this in this embodied form. So you know, and suddenly, not just intellectually identifying um, by repeating over, but really experientially identifying. Perhaps that's when you get into realms of of uh, of being. Um, you know. Um, uh, an enlightened being, um, you know, it's just they identify something much, much bigger. We've had examples of this in history. I, I think of Abraham Lincoln, um, just as an example, I don't know the details, but generally speaking, he's a well-to-do white man, you know, uh, he didn't need to, you know, necessarily do the emancipation for slavery, but then suddenly he saw that he's not just a well-to-do white man, he's a human being. And uh, and so so you know are are these uh, you know uh, African Americans? They're also human beings. So suddenly that started to happen. Um, so so there there's there's a when we broaden our identity and we become more inclusive. Suddenly there's less other. There's less pity and more compassion. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for bringing that up because it's very important to, yeah, to remain open and with everything that's going on right now, it's important to open, but also trust our instincts and know what our limitations are as far as the boundaries that being clear on what we can give and we're quite often surprised at how much we can give and us giving a little part of ourselves has ripple effects so it's amazing and you know when i learned about compassion you would think that it all starts within but Um, The interesting thing is when I started to learn about compassion, so there's always first in the order an element of mindfulness. So as we started to study it, it's always based in mindfulness to feel yourself before anything. So in the process of the class that I took at Stanford, we first begin to experience feeling compassion for some somebody we don't know so a stranger and then we practice feeling compassion for a child or pet somebody who's easy to love then we move to somebody who's harder to feel compassion for where we don't necessarily have chemistry and only then do we start to study self-compassion, having compassion for ourselves? 
Because, because why? Because we're critical, we're judgmental, and we're hard on ourselves, right? So that whole journey, we kind of learn to about compassion, how to feel compassion for others. Then finally, we feel it for ourselves. And then from that moment on, we can go from inside out, from inside out mm. to feel compassion for ourselves, be benevolent with ourselves, be kind, be our own best friend. And then we're really able to radiate and bring it forward to all our relationships if that makes sense oh yeah I, I, i'm hearing um, like a compassion gym almost you know you start easy yeah. you start if i think about my children my wife mm -hmm. family members, friends start easy develop that muscle and then you can expand to strangers expand to people you might be jamming up with a little bit you develop that that, that the endurance of compassion and then the holy grail is boom yeah love every aspect of you as it is you know accepting um and, and yeah just i i see myself i accept myself i value myself this sort of a, a journey you know i am um, I, I want to just go into this notion of uh discernment because um there's this notion of energy vampires you know let's just put it that way but uh -huh. there's there is a payoff to sometimes um looking for people's compassion you you get attention sometimes you may you know get away with being lazy and you know uh, there, there is a payoff there there's a dark side to to, to 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 that and and sometimes you could be you know feeling compassion and you suddenly you realize that there is no end to it it's like it's a bottomless pit so uh -huh. how do you discern you know where your compassion is actually having an impact and it is, is manifesting in a meaningful way or is it just going into a void that is uh, just not serving any meaningful purpose? It's funny because to dovetail on what you were talking about earlier as far as identity, compassion can be based in your identity and your ego because it feels good to be the person helping to be perceived as you feel good about yourself because you help others and others see you as a wonderful human being so we have to be careful of what our motivation is and it's also rooted in self-love because we have to protect our psychological spiritual emotional and physical integrity first that's our first responsibility in life so the amount of compassion we're able so first we need to have it for ourselves to maintain that integrity and our capital right but then how much we give we have, we do have to be careful not to deplete ourselves. So we, we have to be clear about the amount. And sometimes it's trial and error. If after having a talk with somebody, you feel completely drained, well, sometimes, sometimes you can't, but sometimes you can't limit the amount of time, choose who you spend time with, who you choose to have compassion for. There is no written recipe 
it has to feel good where, when, like you and I, when your life purpose is to help people we have to yeah remain conscious that we need to help ourselves first be protect our energy and give as much as feels right and that that's okay and it's funny because it's hard to love ourselves first and you know was giving a talk on, on self-love recently and it feels egotistical it felt it feels like it's narcissism it is but it's healthy narcissism that we need to protect ourselves and to give as much as we can to others am i answering your question you totally are it is so yeah i'm just uh there's a we can maybe even unpack the word narcissism <laughs> um, because there's self-care self-involved selfish self-centered again mm-hmm. they, they mean different things <laughs> yeah. yes yes so um so self-care is what i would call wise selfish <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like, a healthy form it's a very yes. simple understanding it's like a like a bank if the bank is empty where's the money going to come from so if your compassion for yourself is empty where is the compassion going to come from it's a very simple way to understand it uh, so this would be just i would call that more healthy self-care or or, or why selfish more than narcissism mm-hmm. which is really a, a psychological condition um, but self-care however you know I, what i'm hearing is as, as a practice one can sit and just come into that state of pure presence and and take the time to visualize some being they love maybe their cat or dog or child or grandmother or whatever some person they really truly love and really the compassion just flows so easily so easily so you set into that and we're just doing a formal practice then you bring in somebody who's a bit of a stranger maybe somebody you met at the bus stop or, or a supermarket or uh, some clerk you walk past you know and just uh, practice compassion towards this person and then we can bring in somebody we have some uh, animosity towards and then heal that energetically with practicing compassion it's definitely more challenging mm-hmm. and that's why we do it and then we practice again formal practice just in ourselves and we develop the compassion for ourselves and then we are ready to go into the world and share some compassion and even that will require boundaries because we haven't fully integrated that compassion in ourselves and when we are truly compassionate to ourselves as you know when the, the job is done then the compassion just becomes like the fragrance of who you are there's no need to put boundaries curtail adjust accommodate it's just who you are something like this Yes, and another important ingredient is the common humanity. What helps us feel compassion for ourselves and others mm-hmm. is that root of common humanity. Just like me, this person wants to be happy. Just like me, this person has fears. Just like me, this person has suffered. So to understand, to feel the common humanity, and same for us, just as other humans I deserve to be loved. I want to live in peace, right? So the common humanity helps us feel the compassion. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful, Julie. 
it's so much so would you mind repeating that please uh, i'd love for us to really integrate those words that you just expressed so common humanity the as a starting point so you start with mindfulness and in order to feel the compassion to harness it it's good to go through the the channel of common humanity which is just like me let's say it's a person who you have disagreed with and to remind yourself just like me this person one moment so i invite the viewer listener to pick somebody like this in their mind's eye okay okay so i have somebody pick that person Mm -hmm. now you can root yourself in your body feel your body for a second feel your breath and then see that person in your mind's eye who it's not easy to deal with and then think of that person in terms of common humanity and think this just like me this person wants peace just like me this person wants happiness just like me this person has suffered now you can open the channel the channel to loving kindness and loving kindness is then another step to say may you be in peace may your struggles subside may you feel joy and happiness on your daily basis and may you heal from your ailment from what is stressing you so you actually and probably you can feel it in your heart your heart opening the warmth in your heart to wish that person well to understand them a little bit more and to send some loving kindness their way and compassion which is empathy and action that was beautiful i really felt so a lightness in my heart um i'm reminded of the the four immeasurables or the four jewels of a beautiful mind because this practice is not just good for the person it's so good for me for my mind and the four qualities are friendliness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. That's what we just practiced. Mm-hmm. Karuna, Maitreya, Upeka, um, Mudita, Upeka. So, uh, so Karuna is the compassion. Um, Maitreya is the, the friendliness. And the... Uh, Mudita is that sympathetic joy that we just experienced. May you be mm-hmm. released from your suffering. As in, I would take delight in seeing you free of suffering. This is sympathetic joy. Mm-hmm. It's a very beautiful quality. To see the person who has actually so perceived or otherwise harmed you, to see them thriving and successful and healthy and happy and peaceful, this is a sympathetic joy. And equanimity is the, the final jewel, which is, I truly accept you as you are. I have compassion towards you as you are. Mm-hmm. 
So I set you free of any expectations I have. I only wish you well. So, uh, so beautiful. So beautiful this practice. I love to connect with different, um, you know, like strategies or frames of mind that at the end of the day are rooted in the same feelings. They, ha they can have different names, mm -hmm. but... Uh, they come from long traditions and more modern ones, but at the end of the day, they're, they're human qualities, right, that help us feel good. And we have to remember also that it's a process. It's a journey. It's not something that we turn on automatically, and it's something we have to work at. I'm still uh, on this journey you know, to having more compassion and it's not always easy and it's not always yeah. perfect. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, there's a contemporary teacher called Ken McLeod. He says you practice and you practice until it's there, even when you're distracted. <laughs> so that you are practicing compassion, you're doing this beautiful practice, you know, so that even when that, that adversity comes, suddenly uh, the compassion arises. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when you know your, your, your practice is fully integrated. Um, yes, yes. So now, um, what does this have to do with organizations and leaderships and companies and all that, you know? Uh, like, uh, <laughs> what's the ROI of compassion? What's, what's the business you know, model behind? Mm -hmm. yeah, I know that you, you work a lot in this kind of environment. So how, what's how do you build that bridge between leadership and compassion say for example i think to answer your first question it has everything to do with business relationships because the number one problem in corporations or organizations right now are relational the human aspect of things so how so what I do is bring compassion to leaders so that they first feel it for themselves, acknowledge their needs, their vulnerabilities, and that they're able to see it in others. And of course, it has repercussions on, you know, opening the discussions and the floor to mental health, to suffering, because most of us, and especially now, have been suffering so to acknowledge in ourselves as leaders to show up as vulnerable i have just like you common humanity just like you i have my struggles i'm not this entity that's completely different from you i have a family life it's the pandemic has been difficult so common humanity so that as leaders we understand ourselves and we're able to transmit that in our in our teams i understand you i'm open to hearing about your struggles and how may i help it's fundamental it's something that always should have been we are now you know bringing humanity to the workplace because as the latest data, 84% of employees are showing symptoms of burnout. So how can we alleviate? How can we support each other? And work is not 
external to well-being. So, so compassion is a very important part of creating healthy relationships, what we call psychological safety, and even dipping into diversity, equity, inclusion, and now we have a B for belonging, so that people feel welcome, they feel a part, and they feel welcome as they are with their strengths, with their weaknesses, with the mistakes that they make, how can we be compassionate and understanding with each other so that we not only survive, but thrive in the workplace? Logical step for me. There's, there's so much to unpack here. It's beautiful and I see it as so fundamental. One thing that comes up is say a leader or an influencer is hearing this, and they feel inspired can they just walk into the office next morning saying we need to be more compassionate more connected more sense of belonging or does it require some practice on their side to actually develop these qualities before they start extolling their virtues what, what, what are your thoughts around that can it, Mo yeah most definitely they need to learn they need you know the process that i've talked about that's what i do also with leaders to help them build their compassion muscle understand it see where their limits are and be able to radiate to offer it to because leaders are the examples they set the tone right so how they behave sets the tone for the the relationships within the teams and the business so yes they need to learn and same for psychological safety we there are some things that we need to know what is the limit actually of we what we can and cannot address because leaders are not all mental health specialists at all same for compassion so we have to be careful but yes with the right learning and building of compassion capital for a leader they can then share it with their team and create a virtuous circle of healthy relationships and well-being for people to just be themselves of course and when we talk about all of that return on investment we are now getting numbers for compassion for mindfulness for well-being and mental health um, learning in general and the return on investment is huge and at the same time it's something that companies need to address because it's quite often their biggest spending from what i've seen for mental health issues oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um it costs companies for every employee over 1600 dollars per year you know in in disability in illness in absenteeism Easily. So, yeah absolutely um yeah and also if if a, if a leader has has not been compassionate for for years and they suddenly show up with hey compassion 
it's going to sound disingenuous. It's going to sound phony. So uh, you know, they have to really embody these qualities. And so when it comes from them, then it sounds more authentic. You know, mm -hmm. a, a leader who is actually has those qualities, when he or she says, you know, we really need to care for each other more, they go, oh yeah, of course. Of course she would say that. Of course he would say that. You know, that, 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 that's natural coming from that person. But if it comes from a person who has, doesn't have those qualities, it, it'll sound so phony. Um, like it's another, you know, PR sort of meme to rival, you know, rev us up to meet the profits. So, so I, I see the value in the leader first really cultivating these qualities and then coming from that, that heartful place and not just this theoretical intellectual place. The other thing that you might have come across is the notion, you know, how they, how this, how business is presented, you know, they, you know, I don't watch the shows very much, but I hear like shark stang, dragon den, you know, these are, these are fighting terms, you know? So a leader goes, listen, we're not a cute bunny in the, in the backyard. We're in a jungle here. You know, we're, this is eat or be eaten. This is a, this is a battlefield. There's no room for this kind of stuff. You know, this is cutthroat, man. We got to hit the numbers every single time. We don't have time for this. You know, we're literally in a battle. Well, uh, thank you for saying that because, you know, not everything works itself out through battle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of strength in being a peaceful warrior. Mm -hmm. I like to see it as that, that we're at a point where we need to change. We need to evolve to survive in the business world. And that's what's going on, you know, with the great resignation. Mm. We need, we crave, that's what all the data is saying. We need to be more human. And compassion actually is so good, like you were saying, for the person doing it. So it alleviates stress, it helps us heal, um, it protects our heart. So for in so many aspects, it protects us. It gives us, you know, dopamine, the oxytocin, a feeling good in our relationships by um, relating to each other in a kind, benevolent way. So, so the opposite, actually, of doing it is, is causing harm. So is it cute and bunnies and joy? Yes, but does it need rebranding as super powerful? Oh, yes, mm. most definitely. Is the, that gentle action is one of the most powerful things you can actually do for yourself and for others. Yes. Business, in business or outside. You know, there, there, there is a, uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, thinking of this, uh, the soccer team that that I quite enjoy watching. It's the M English Premier League team called Liverpool. Okay, they're actually a pretty good team, one of the top teams in the world. And uh, you know, and there's a YouTube channel called Inside Anfield, so Inside Liverpool. So they actually show the players hanging out together, practicing together, and you can tell that the team has really good chemistry. They, they really joke around with each other. They respect each other. They, they value, appreciate each other. They, 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 they rib each other, you know, but there's, there's a good feeling there. And, and they, there's tremendous trust and you can feel the compassion there for each other. There's some, there's some scenes you can see. They really genuinely look after each other. Uh, and that shows on the field. 
So they are, they're of course experts at what they do. Uh, so that doesn't go away. Yet because they have this amazing team chemistry, uh, they have that X factor and the, the current team. So uh, I, I feel that to be true. They have, they have something special, uh, they, uh, something beyond just elite professionals. They, they, have, they have compassion, care, and genuine sort of in that sense of brotherhood for each other. Now that makes them like I find even next level good. And forgiveness as well. If somebody misses a penalty or hits a bad shot, nobody is shouting, screaming. They, 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 they hug the person, you know? The coach hugs everybody right away. So you can feel they have this, this, uh, this kind of bond, which is in that battlefield of soccer at the highest level, it's actually serving them to have that sense of compassion, camaraderie, then hindering them. So I'm seeing it as uh, it takes you to the next level of performance. Um, and not at all uh, 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 makes you weaker. Yeah. Yes, it's fueled in positivity. Mm-hmm. And thank you for bringing, it's a great analogy. And I thought you were going to speak of Ted Lasso, who is oh. also <laughs> a good example uh-huh. of compassion. And yes, it fuels our relationship. If I enter my workplace knowing I am loved, I'm respected. I can show up as I am with my strengths, strengths and my weaknesses. We choose to work together for our common good, for the good of the company. That fuels a virtuous circle instead of a virtuous circle where you feel vampired and drained. That we're only here to get you as an employee to do the work so you, we can make profit. Come on, 2022, we can do so much better and infuse it with this common positive energy that we would have outside of the business world and to say, I want you to do well and I want myself to do well and how can we do it together? Is it possible? Is it uh, utopia? I don't think so. I don't think so either. You know, because frankly, to, to excel in one's craft, to be a part of a mighty purpose, to wake up with a spring in your step is what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, uh, so to have the shared common purpose, knowing that you can make mistakes and learn, knowing that you can actually support somebody else and they're open to it, and that you have, uh, you have that, that almost this playground to play and explore and, uh, and just be the best version of yourself. This is what everybody wants to go to bed at night, knowing that you did something amazing today. Who doesn't want that? Mm-hmm. So I actually wish to live in a world where the word work becomes obsolete. <laughs> Why do you need to work? Mm-hmm. You know, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. So if you can make your workplace a joyous place where your unique gifts, skills, talents, attributes are rejoiced, celebrated, and they're serving a mighty purpose, and that you're being looked after and appreciated for, for all that you're bringing in and respected for all that you are. In that kind of environment, who doesn't want that? Like you said, that's next level performance. That's next, next level uh, elite uh, you know, service and products. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. Every employee wants to feel a sense of purpose, wants to feel included, seen, heard, and wants to contribute and help others because it's one of the things that feels that's what we have Mm -hmm. in common as humans. We are caring, sentient beings, and 
we love to give and to care for others. So the, the workplace has to modify itself because we're still, you know, working with old models of post-war beginning of the industrial era that have nothing to do with where we are today and what the needs of humans are today. So I think, you know, the evolve to survive piece is exactly there. Mm -hmm. We need we need to change our our framework and the paradigms. Now we're moving into evolve to thrive. Survive yes. is all news. Who, who wants to survive? I didn't come here to survive. Exactly. No, mm -hmm. I think we can do much better than much that. Much better. We're playing the game too <laughs> small. I love it, Julie. Just in this little time together, I already feel so uplifted and uh, um, so inspired by your vision, your journey, and what you're offering. So, dear viewer, listener, please check out Julie's work. It's juliebloom.world, right? juliebloom.world. juliebloom.world, yeah. I'll put it on the link and you can dive deeper into all that Julie offers. Julie, any thoughts, ideas, last uh, impressions? You know, maybe I'll ask that question another way. Um, uh, once uh, uh, I was in the company of a very wise old man, uh, to cut the story short, and just before I left, I just felt compelled to turn around and ask him a question. I don't know where the question came from. And the question is, you know, heavens forbid, say you are on your deathbed, last few breaths, and somebody very near and dear is beside you. What would be a parting words? <laughs> I ask you the same question. If I were on my deathbed, what would my parting words? And somebody very dear to you is right beside you. And they, just whatever the sum total of your life experience, uh, the, the final jewel that you'd like to offer this person as a gift? To be kind, to be kind and loving to ourselves first, that at the end of the day, the essence, the common denominator of what matters is exactly that, to love and to give. And we're kind of coming full circle with this, with the, the little tea <laughs> thing. But yes, at the end of the day, to, to love ourselves first and foremost so that we have everything that, you know, our cup overflows and we can give to others and shut them the inner critic that's kind of perceived by the body and the brain as a threat. Mm -hmm. So if we can be kind to each other, kind to others, and yeah, really bet on helping people live better in relationships. I think it's that. It's what it's all about. That's what makes life fulfilling. Huh? I think yeah. Jewel, the singer Jewel had a song where she says, in the end, only kindness matters. Uh, I carry yes. that with me. In the end, only kindness matters. So uh, thank you for sharing your insights and stories so kindly and may it benefit all those who hear and listen thank you so much much love dear julie thank you what a pleasure to spend this time with you and to yeah to share our our stories of common humanity and compassion and i hope we've managed to communicate love in our time together as well to the people who are listening <laughs> uh, so uh, much respect to your teacup <laughs> <laughs> thank you
So, dear friend, if this conversation lightened you up in some way and you feel moved to do so, please comment, like, and share. Above all, let's keep lightening each other up. Until next time.